I am staying on to fight the fight that Canadians elected us to do. Canadians expect us to stay united and stay focused on the job at hand. What I asked them to do for the benefit of the country is to uh, resign immediately. Hopefully we'll have a new leader in place before the summer. You're the leader, the buck stops with you, and I don't see how we can turn things around. I would say spend your money on French services, not on trying to attract Quebecers or attract Germans or attract French people in Winnipeg. It's Sunday, December 1st. I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block. I am staying on to fight the fight that Canadians elected us to do. Uh, there are very serious risks facing this country, and Canadians expect us to stay united and stay focused on the job at hand, and that's precisely what I'm going to do. Now is not the time for internal divisions or internal party politics. That is an unfortunate part of the uh, conservative tradition in this country. That was embattled Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer, defiant against a growing chorus of demands for him to step down. While Scheer calls the bloodletting conservative tradition, many inside the party blame Scheer for losing the election and are now openly campaigning to force him out in what is looking more and more like a conservative civil war. Can Andrew Scheer survive the attacks or are his days as the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition coming to an end? Joining me now are people who know that party inside and out. In Calgary, Jenny Byrne, former National Campaign Director for Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and in Edmonton, Conservative MP Garnet Jenis. Uh, start with you, Jenny. You came out a couple of days ago. You broke your silence. You said, you know what, it's time for Andrew Scheer to go. He's got to resign. He's got to get out of there. He can't be the leader anymore. Why do you believe that he can't stay on? Well... In conversations that I've had with conservative members across the country, uh, people feel the same way uh, uh, that I do. At the end of the day, there is only one question that members are asking themselves now and what they're going to be asking themselves uh, leading into uh, our convention in, uh, in scheduled for Toronto in, uh, in mid-April. And that is, can Andrew Scheer win? Can he beat Justin Trudeau? Uh, in the next election, be it whenever it is. It could be in a year, it could be a year and a half and two. And where people are, are at is that he cannot uh, beat Justin Trudeau in the next election. Jenny, why do you think that is? Is it the social conservative issues? Is it environment? Is it his personality? What is it about Andrew Scheer that you believe means he cannot be prime minister? But I don't. I, I don't think at this point it does. It doesn't even matter uh, why. There's. 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 There's people in in Quebec that will say uh, his personal opinion on abortion uh, was an issue. I don't. I don't personally think that's the case. Uh, there's others that will talk about uh, gay marriage. There's some that will talk about policy positions like environment or uh, handling issues like uh, uh, his American citizenship or resume. I don't think at the end of the day it matters. Whatever the reason is that people have, uh, conservative members across the country don't think Andrew can beat Justin Trudeau in the next election. Garnet, you're a friend of Andrew Shears. You're an ally of Andrew Shears. Do you agree that he should step down as party leader? 
No, I, I don't. And I think my position reflects the overwhelming consensus of elected Conservative members of Parliament. And I think it reflects where members are at as well. Remember that at the first caucus meeting, uh, Conservative caucus members overwhelmingly voted not to give themselves the power to uh, remove the leader. And, um, you know, you've got some people that are, are not members of caucus uh, expressing a view. Uh, but you, we haven't had a single member of caucus come out to take the position that, uh, that Jenny has. There's going to be a process. There's always a process. Stephen Harper went through that process after 2004, uh, where the members got to decide. What was very interesting is uh, we see people like Corey tonight coming out and already essentially conceding the convention, saying, well, the convention's going to be rigged anyways, which is, I think, his way of saying that whatever he might want to say the members think, uh, he and others that are opposing Andrew Scheer's leadership are not at all confident that they can actually uh, bring bring that support to bear uh, where it counts. So obviously well, there's going to be a few people who are conservatives who have a different point of view, but I think I think the, the, uh, the impression of caucus and of the members uh, is clear and will be heard in April. Jenny, well, go ahead. And, and I, yeah, I'd just like to jump in quickly and say uh, this isn't just uh, about the opinion of what uh, caucus is. Uh, that is important, but I found it extremely strange yesterday that there was very little caucus support uh, in terms of uh, of the appointment of uh, of the new uh, of the new uh, of deputy leader. I would also like to point out that this is not uh, anything like 2004. Uh, I worked for the party at the time. I worked for Stephen Harper. In six months, Stephen Harper uh, helped merge the party, merge the, our party. Uh, win a leadership race and uh, brought uh, the Paul Martin Liberals to a minority. And by the way, it was touted as going to be the biggest majority in Canadian history by the Liberal Party themselves. Oh, uh, Garner, I, I've I'll heard just, from I'll, members I'll just, of caucus. Go ahead. Yeah, if I'll just quick, quickly respond to those points. Um, I, I don't know where Jenny's getting this from, that there isn't support for uh, Leona Alislav uh, as deputy leader. Uh, she's she's going to be strongly supported in that uh, position, and she's done an incredible job uh, in her uh, last couple years as a Conservative MP, and she's exactly the sort of person that uh, Conservatives need to bring on side in the Toronto area to win the election. Uh, in terms of the 2004 comparisons, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's always differences here and there, but the expectations for Paul Martin of, of winning the biggest majority ever. That was before the breaking of the sponsorship scandal. Uh, I mean, the, the political no, that's impact, not true. the that's massive actually, impact of okay, the sponsorship Garnet, scandal. That's well, actually any, not... Anybody that's who not was, any, I, I just want to step in for now, Garnet, because you're saying that no, you're I was there. Garnet, you've said Garnet. that you, you haven't heard from members of caucus saying that they want Andrew Scheer to go. I have. I've heard from a number of members of caucus. They're sort of waiting to see what happens. But you've certainly heard from the grassroots. I mean, in the meetings in Quebec, uh, in Ottawa here uh, on, last week and in Alberta, certainly Andrew Scheer is hearing from failed candidates who didn't win. He's hearing from donors out in Alberta who are saying they're deeply concerned. Uh, this isn't just about the opinion of caucus. It's a very grassroots party. I understand that. But the grassroots are starting to really say he needs so, to go. So so I, I do not share that characterization of the grassroots opinion. But we're going to find out in April. Uh, clearly, there are individuals who have a different point of view. That was the case under Stephen Harper. It's always the case where there's some individuals that, uh, for whatever reason, have a different opinion on the direction of the leadership. And look, I, you know, full respect to people who are good conservatives, members of parliament, and have a different point of view uh, than I do. But what's striking to me is that uh, the, the people on the other side of this equation, uh, they don't want to go through the process. They don't trust the process. Uh, that's going to happen in April. They instead want to create uh, distraction and try and force uh, an action before that convention. Uh, I say, yep. if you think the members are on your side, 
hey, let's spend the next few months uh, focusing on challenging the Trudeau minority government. Let's have the vote in April. Let's see where it goes. Uh, and then uh, if it's the will of the members, we'll have a leadership race. Uh, but well, I suspect that when people are actually counted, you'll find uh, that, you know, the, the, the folks that are, you know, a couple people here and there that are commenting in the media or anonymous sources, uh, you know, coming from caucus isn't reflective of where the vast majority of people actually are. Well, but but I'd like to say this this is this is the issue that we're having. This the the question of Andrew's leadership has been uh, spoken about uh, uh, among conservative uh, members, uh, both in caucus and at the grassroots, for the last month. The last week, it has gripped the party in a way uh, that that nothing else is uh, is being discussed, and it's going to continue to do that leading into the leadership race. If we continue we're to do that, we are. Let me finish. We are going to yeah. do nothing but give Justin Trudeau a free ride uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the next five months, because that's all people are talking about, Garnet. Because it is a yeah. it is not just an elephant in the room. It's 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 a bunch yeah. of elephants in the room, and that is all what people are talking about. In terms of uh, in terms of Leona Elisalav, I do agree with you. Those are act those are liberals that we need to attract in our party. Uh, uh, to join the Conservative Party. And that's great, but that doesn't mean they have to be given leadership positions. This is a person who campaigned against us, who said very critical things about uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper uh, during and after the 2015 campaign. This is not a small position. This was a position in opposition that was held by the co-founder of the party, uh, Peter McKay. And so I think uh, in terms of uh, grassroots members across the country. Uh, this, these are the decisions they're looking at, and they're scratching their head. Yeah, with, Jenny, with, what with about people respect, who say that who say that you know at least give him a second chance, a second election? Stephen Harper got a second election. Most leaders do. It's too soon to be pushing him out. But. But Mercedes, as I said, 2004 was different. We we picked up in Ontario, for example, we picked up share of the popular vote and went from two seats to 20, 24 seats. We picked up 22 seats yeah. in the province of Ontario the in 2000. And, in two, yeah, we won and we went down in votes yeah. in Quebec and Ontario. Um, uh, so we, I don't think it's an automatic. It's not a. It's not. It's no. We actually went down in votes. Uh, uh, we, 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 we picked we up went seats down in Ontario. Votes. We won the popular vote. We, we, we but, went you, down but where you won the we vote, down Garnet, was votes. in Alberta, Garnet. and you won the vote, the vote in, in Saskatchewan. But in key areas yeah. that you have to win to go yeah. forward, like Ontario and Quebec, that was not the case. And that's the criticism here. I'm wondering, though... Yeah, I, I'm just going to respond to that. I'm not going to say we ran a perfect campaign. There's a data-driven process that's being led by uh, by John Baird, and it's going to provide reports back. We made substantial gains in some regions of the country. There's particular areas, such as the Greater Toronto Area, uh, where obviously we didn't get the the growth that uh, that we were hoping for. But but that's a, a point I need to respond to that Jenny okay. made earlier. Okay, I'm sorry, she's, Gar she's, I, I do have to stop you there because we're actually out of time on the panel. But certainly, I'm sure an issue we're going to be coming okay. back to, and we appreciate both of your time today. Uh, whether or not Andrew Scheer will be staying on as leader. We'll be keeping a close eye on that going forward for the next week. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Coming up, premiers meet in Toronto tomorrow. With national unity tensions running high and premiers taking each other on, will they have any kind of unified message for Ottawa?
Welcome back. Canada's premiers meet tomorrow for the first time since the federal election. And tensions are running high as relationship between the premiers seem to be fraying. After an election that showed many Western Canadians feel isolated and ignored by the government in Ottawa, the premiers will be out talking about national unity and some of the issues driving that alienation, like equalization. How will they navigate these heated and precarious topics? Joining me now is one of the premiers who will be sitting at that table. In fact, he'll be running the discussion in Toronto tomorrow, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe. Thank you for joining us, Premier Moe. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes. Uh, you talked about a new deal for Western Canada after the election, changing the equalization formula. You've been an ardent opponent to the carbon tax, but there's been a lot of disagreement between the premiers in recent days and weeks. What are your priorities going to be as you sit down to have these discussions with your provincial counterparts from across the country? Well, the priorities will be, is are there uh, a few items where the premiers can come to consensus on, uh, come to consensus uh, from coast to coast to coast in this nation as premiers of our respective jurisdictions uh, uh, showing up and having a, a discussion on a number of topics, uh, coming to consensus on behalf of not just the people that we represent in our province or territory, but on behalf of all Canadians. How important is equalization and rejigging that formula going to be when you sit down tomorrow? Well, there's, there's two ways that we share our wealth in this nation. One is through the equalization formula. One is through the, the, uh, fiscal, uh, the fiscal stabilization program. And we're going to be discussing uh, both of those so that we can ensure that we continue uh, to share wealth across this nation, but also uh, have a program that is responsive to areas, uh, jurisdictions that are experiencing a drop in their GDP growth or, or where their economic fortunes have suddenly uh, 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 dropped to some degree. So we're going to discuss both of those uh, in, in the uh, in the essence of, of ensuring that both programs are doing uh, what they are, were designed to do and, uh, and, uh, and any opportunities that we have to uh, you know, further support some of those provinces uh, that have had some downturns in their GDP growth. Do you think there's any chance of Premier Legault actually agreeing to any of those changes? Uh, well, equalization is a you know a very uh, a divisive conversation at times across this nation. It's a, a conversation. It's, it's a program that that many feel is uh, is not fair to all provinces in this nation. But it's also a a program that many provinces uh, do rely on uh, in this nation. And so it has been around for some time, and likely uh, would take some time to to alter or to change or or to fix any of the uh, the challenges uh, that may be identified in that program. The fiscal stabilization program, on the other hand. Uh, there is an opportunity there to address a program that was designed to uh, be very reactive. And when you look at the, the lack of investment of that program in provinces over the course of the last decade or better, uh, it has proved to not be that reactive. So it is a program that definitely should uh, be looked at. And we're going to have some, I think, very good discussion around the fiscal stabilization program. When I was looking at your agenda and your priorities, I noticed the word equalization wasn't in there and neither were the words carbon tax. Have you put a little water in your wine heading into these meetings in the hopes of getting a unified position coming out versus getting some of the demands you were making immediately after the election? Well, the, the, this meeting is coming together by the request of a number of premiers that reached out to myself as Council of Federation Chair uh, in light of the, the divisions that manifested themselves across this nation, not just in the province of Saskatchewan, but in many, many other areas of this nation on election night. Uh, those were uh, divisions uh, and frustrations that were identified uh, by the Prime Minister. Um, and so premiers had reached out, uh, asked if there is a place for the, uh, for the provincial premiers and the territorial premiers to come together to provide uh, some 
some opportunity to show consensus uh, not only to the the minority federal administration that we now have but also show uh, that the premiers from coast to coast to coast in this nation are coming together to ensure uh, that they are providing uh, proper and appropriate leadership on behalf of all of the people that we represent. But heading into this meeting, it hasn't been a very friendly relationship between the premiers. Uh, you're a, a Saskatchewan guy. Uh, Saskatchewan, of course, notorious for its Western hospitality, and I'm sure you'll use that to try to get people on side. But how do you heal some of the divisions here when you're talking about cracks in national unity and you have Alberta attacking Quebec, Quebec attacking Alberta, Manitoba and Quebec now not getting along, Ontario is in there too. That's a pretty challenging environment to get unity out of. We have some divisions, uh, deep divisions across this country, and those were very evident with the results on election night and the differentiation we have uh, in, in uh, provinces and territories across this nation. Uh, this meeting is uh, to discuss uh, points that we can agree on, to discuss uh, can we come to a consensus on a few items uh, to provide, as I said, not only guidance for this minority administration uh, that we have uh, governing this nation now, but also to provide the assurance uh, to all Canadians that although we uh, have, uh, you know, a, a number of things that we do not uh, do not agree on. Uh, there are a number of things that we do agree on, and we're going to move forward on those. There's been calls from Conservatives across the country this week for Andrew Scheer to step down as leader of the Conservative Party. You, of course, are a Conservative as well, sir. Do you think that Mr. Scheer should remain on as the leader, or is it time for him to resign? Well, uh, listen, uh, all parties have a process uh, for this type of a discussion uh, to play out, and the party members ultimately will have a say. From Saskatchewan's perspective, um, we have 14 seats. Uh, the Conservative Party did very well here as they won each and every one of those seats. Uh, from across uh, the country perspective, the Conservative Party received more votes than, than any other party in, in the most recent election uh, that we had. I think they're up 20 or 25 seats, uh, if, if I remember correctly. So you think that he should be able to stay on until the leadership review? He shouldn't consider stepping down before then? Well, there, like I say, there's a process in place that I, I always think uh, that the party processes that are in place, whether it's the Liberal Party, the, the NDP Party, or the Conservative Party, or our party in the case in Saskatchewan, um, it, the, those processes are there for a reason. We should, we should allow them to, to play out. Premier Mo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mercedes. I appreciate it. Up next, from a Conservative guerrilla campaign to take out Andrew Scheer to the speech from the throne on Thursday, we'll unpack the politics of the week ahead. Welcome back. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is set to recall Parliament for the throne speech on Thursday. Justin Trudeau heads back to the Hill with a minority for the first time. In the week since the election, the Prime Minister has kept a low public profile, opting instead to hold a series of meetings with opposition party leaders, premiers and mayors from across the country. What kind of tone can we expect from Mr. Trudeau and what will his strategy be to stay in power? Joining me now is Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail, Robert Fife. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me on. So everyone looks forward to the throne speech. It's Justin Trudeau's big debut. We'll get the sense of the tone and tenor and priorities. What does he have to establish when he's thinking about what to say on Thursday? Well, he's going to have to say something to all of the parties, and he's going to have to summon a humble note, which is something liberals have a hard time doing. Uh, but he has to do that, and you've noticed that they've been trying to sound like we're listening to everybody. Uh, and so uh, there'll be no surprises here. He's going to talk about uh, climate change and the green economy. He'll talk about pharmacare, the importance of dealing with indigenous issues. Uh, obviously, he's going to make an outreach to Western Canada in a way that will say we will get this 
a pipeline built for, for you, and we are aware of your many concerns, and we are listening. I don't think you're going to get uh, much beyond, oh, and of course, the promise of a middle class uh, tax cut, which will be uh, a front and center of the throne speech. So I don't think there'll be really any surprises on that. The tone is what you're trying to get at is if they're going into a House of Commons in a minority government situation, they have to be careful that they don't offend unnecessarily the Bloc Quebecois or the NDP or even the Greens uh, because that is not going to help them if, if the Conservatives, for some reason or other, all vote against them. As for the Conservatives, I mean, the best thing the, the Liberals have going for them is the, is, is the huge fight going on inside the Conservative Party. They don't really have to worry about the Conservatives because their knives are out and they're slashing each other, not Liberals. Well, and how does that affect the Conservatives when they're heading back into the House and they're this divided? Can they be an effective opposition, or at this point, are they sidelining themselves? Well, it, yes, they can be an effective opposition, but uh, on certain areas that they choose to do so, the problem they have is that they don't like their leader. And the party grassroots clearly is unhappy with that election campaign. He cannot survive, in my view, uh, this, the leadership review vote. There are efforts to try to get him to leave even before the April vote. And, uh, and, and there's a number of reasons for that. And you're hearing them same as, same as I. Uh, the, the, the sense from Mr. That Mr. Scheer was unable to say that he supports the rights of gay and lesbian couples or gay and lesbians. And, and I know a lot of conservatives across the country, senior conservatives saying that he made them feel like they, they were bigots. And they, they, they don't have a problem with people's sexual orientation. It's none of anybody's business. What happens goes on in the, in the bedrooms of the nations is nobody's business. And the other thing is, is a climate uh, ch uh, action plan that's got to appeal to more than just the oil industry, which is what that last plan was. And, and, and unless they come up with a more credible environmental plan, they're not going to win the next election campaign. So they have policy issues to deal with, but more importantly, they have a weak leader. He cannot survive. We've seen this movie play out before. Ignatchev, Dion, weak leaders. The party ripped them apart. We saw it with Joe Clark. So you will see uh, conservative MPs guarantee coming out of some of these caucus rooms, leaking everything they can to us that are negative about the leader. Some of them will at some points come out and challenge him on things they think he's made a mistake on. He'll, he will limp into a leadership review vote and he will barely, he will probably lose it. Or if he doesn't, if he just gets barely past like 50 or 52 percent, he can't survive. What do you think his timeline is on this? There's, there's people saying he needs to step down before Christmas. Does he survive even to that? Uh, that's a very good question. He says he is hanging on. He's getting a message. We saw it in Montreal. We saw it Thursday night. Uh, these conservative uh, get-togethers, and there'll be another one in Toronto. He is, and they're get, having them across the country. They have not been pleasant affairs. He cannot say he came out after listening to candidates and campaign managers and volunteer and grassroots people saying that they want him as leader. So if he has to, he might want to have a cognac over the Christmas, uh, by the Christmas fire uh, and maybe come back in January and say, you know what, um, I, I'm, I'm going to not run for the leadership or I'm going to open up and have a leadership vote, which I will, I will contest. Not much of a Christmas for Andrew Scheer. Not much of a present there from the party membership. But thank you, Bob Fife, for joining us thank and sharing you. your analysis.
That wraps our show up for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for The West Walk.